Glad to have you back in today. Bill Michaels show continuing on talking a lot about the Packers, but also got some Bucks info and uh, we're going to talk with Peter Fagan, the uh, president of the Milwaukee Bucks coming up in just a little bit uh, about uh, the former owner and uh, Senator Herb Cole as he had passed away yesterday at the age of 88. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the, the transition of the organization and such, but uh, joining us now over on the hotline, uh, to give us a little bit of the Bucks update as the Bucks went out to a Madison Square Garden, got the win uh, in the first one, and then uh, on Christmas Day, they ended up losing to the Knicks before bouncing back. They knocked off Brooklyn last night. Joining us now, uh, Jim Ozarski on the hotline. Jimmy, how you been, pal? Oh, hey, I'm good, Bill. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. You too. You too. Well, first of all, give me your thoughts. Uh, yesterday, the passing of Senator Cole, and obviously he was integral in, in not only taking the Bucks to new heights, but keeping them in the state of Wisconsin, turned down a lot of money to do so, uh, turned it over to a new organization who then takes him to a championship on the, backs, uh, on the back of Giannis. So there's, there's been a lot of things going on, but the senator really, if you want to talk about one of the guys that changed the landscape or kept, kept the landscape of sports in Wisconsin, Senator was certainly one of them. Yeah, for sure, Bill. And, and the, look, Mussins and, and Mark Lazier are always, you know, very open about this and that if Herb Cole doesn't turn around and, and give $100 million to the building of Pfizer Forum, if, if he doesn't sort of, uh, you know, play political matchmaker um, on, on both sides of the aisle for these, these hedge fund New York billionaires. And, Bill, you remember at that time there was real, real concern uh, among Milwaukeeans about though you know the, the sort of the idea of New Yorkers coming into Milwaukee right and, and what are they going to mm -hmm. do what is it going to be about and Herb Cole um you know not only with the gift but also you know who he was to able you know ably to sort of uh, politically unite <laughs> Uh, the state at that time to, to secure whatever public funding was needed. It was a big deal. It, it's, it's why they're still here. Um, and, and you mentioned Giannis and look, uh, you know, this too. And, and longtime Bucks fans know the Senator didn't like mixing his two jobs, <laughs> his, his public job and his private one. He, he rarely, rarely, you know, leaned uh, on, on anything in Washington to help with his basketball team. And until, you know, with Giannis, it was, really necessary to help get his family to the United States. And, um, you know, I have a story up at jsonline.com, Bill. I, I know you retweeted it, um, sort of the untold stories behind that. And, you know, yeah, he, he was, he wasn't the owner when they received the ring, but I, I, Bill, I don't know, not only if the team is in here, I don't know if Giannis is here. We don't know where his life goes. If the Senator doesn't step in and, and do that for, for the other Kumbos. So, yeah, Bill. I mean, obviously, this goes back to the '80s and even beyond, right? With, with with the senator keeping the team in Milwaukee, but it's just there's so many levels and layers there. Um, not just with the Bucks, with UW, with Bud Selig and the Brew. I mean, all the things that that maybe are maybe forever unknown, and uh, uh, you know, save for a few people, Bill. Just a central central figure in Milwaukee and, and Wisconsin sports. Uh, I want to ask you about this team now uh, because obviously they go on. They were winning at home. They go on the road. They win the first one at Madison Square Gardens. What happened on Christmas Day? <laughs> uh, scheduling loss, Bill. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, they, they they were in New York for five days over a holiday, and uh, you know you mentioned the senator and sort of 
the culture he built. I mean, John Horst started his career there um, in the front office, and it's a very family-oriented uh, team, Bill. And what I mean by that is, look, they flew everybody out. <laughs> you know, um, Malik Beasley talked about putting up a tree in his suite with, with his kids. And, and I'm not saying they weren't focused or motivated, but look, two matinees, two weird start times. I, I don't know, Bill. I think Christmas Day was just one of those days, you know. Um, and the Knicks, after getting kind of run out of their building two days before, right, you just sort of add all that together. Um, I, I don't think the Knicks are much of a matchup, you know, when the Bucks are kind of all in, if you will. Um, but, yeah, they've, ter- they've kind of turned a corner here in December, Bill, since losing to Indiana and Vegas. They've been really good. And I think that's coincided also with Chris Middleton giving yeah. them 30 minutes a game, which you and I talked about, right? Like, wait right. till that happens, and look what we've seen since, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I do got to ask you, I mean, uh, look, I know it was the NBA's day, Christmas Day, but they got trounced in the ratings. I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into it because we all know the NFL reigns supreme, but, you know, the NBA's got to be feeling it a little bit going, what the hell, man? We build this up, we we make this into our traditional Christmas Day feast, so to speak, and we got drilled by the NFL in the ratings. Yeah, I, I imagine Adam Silver is not thrilled, especially as they are in these, you know, this open window for new media rights and trying to find new streaming partners. And no doubt Christmas Day is a tentpole sort of, uh, you know, part of their, their package that they're selling. And, and you try to differentiate, but look, I mean, the digital space, the streaming space, there's only so many dollars, Bill. Um, and, and there's only, there's only so many of those services that want live sports. And if the NFL is, is creeping into that, which they clearly are, they clearly have, um, I don't know, you know what the NBA does about that. They, they, I don't think they can do much more than right. what they've already done. And so I think what they have to hope for is whatever services they're trying to sell to, Bill, want the NBA in that way and aren't already involved with the NFL. And let's be honest, the NFL with the, the, the contract cycles – they were the first ones to be able to get into this stuff, right? I'm not saying Amazon won't buy the RSNs and it's not Amazon Wisconsin and you can't find the bucks there, but maybe the money's not the same. It's tough. It's the NFL is, they are, it is the behemoth bill. It is the 800 pound gorilla, if you will. And I, I, I don't know if there's a way to beat that at this point. As this team moves forward, and we talked about Chris Middleton being back and kind of the straw that's stirring the drink right now because the distribution is going out to everybody, and Chris has hit a couple of big buckets. I was watching a game last night, and you've got the defensive prowess, uh, Brooke Lopez, and you still – I mean, I, I you can kind of see things coming together a little bit, can't you? Yeah, and, and well, on the defensive end in particular, look, they, they started at the bottom. I mean, the, the bar was really low. <laughs> at the way this this thing began, um, I think in the last month, Bill, they're a top they're a top half defense. They might have been tenth, eleventh, somewhere in there until that that Christmas Day game. And um, I, I think, it, look, if they can get to that point, it, it reminds me a little bit of those Aaron Rodgers Packers teams where you know that all, all fans wanted was a top half defense, right? A top give, give Aaron a top fifteen, and the offense will do the rest. I think that's kind of where the Bucks are at now. They they are an offensive machine. I think that's only going to get more finely tuned 
as they all play together and, and learn each other even more. And defensively, Bill, I think Bucks fans have to recalibrate a little bit. Like, they're not going to be number one or number five. <laughs> can they? But can they turn it on in the final four minutes of a, of a half of, of a game to give them some stops? We've seen that at times. We've seen them win games that way already, Bill. Um, so I think they are finding something there. But clearly, this is a team that's going to lean on its offense. Adrian Griffin, has he got the hang? I mean, I know that uh, they still are waiting for Jay Crowder to come back, but has he got gotten the hang, kind of the matchups, the bench, the rotation? Do you see that side of things coming together? I, I think so a little bit. I mean, Crowder is going to be a big uh, sort of re-addition because when he went out, this was mid-November, um, early November, actually, and, and they hadn't – Chris was still playing only 20 minutes. So I think – wherever Jay fits in, um, obviously some minutes are changing for someone, but I think maybe it's just as simple as shaving off a little bit of Connaughton, a little bit of Beauchamp and, and Jackson, um, presuming Jay is, is moving well after this surgery. So, uh, but yeah, they, I think they've, they've sort of found a rhythm bill with the starting five plus Bobby um and campaign obviously as as Damien's direct sub. So the top seven I think you have a good feel for. Um which is important because it's look, they were mixing and matching for so long with Chris's minutes restriction that, that now I think you're getting a real sense of who they are and when they're playing. Real quick before I let you go, now you've got a stretch heading into this is kind of like the uh, the nowhere land because you got college football on the rise, you got postseason NFL. This is where the NBA kind of fades just a little bit until really everything culminates and all of a sudden they get to the All Star break and then it's the full on push. Everybody seems to think that the top team in the East right now is Boston. Do you think Boston's still the top team or have the Bucks now kind of felt their rhythm and they're they're finding their way into that top spot? Yeah, I, I, I'll still go with, with Boston. I mean, they have the record. They they were up by 20 on the Bucks in their one matchup. I, I know Milwaukee made that, that furious rally there late. And that is Boston's Achilles heel. I mean, there are times where they just stop playing or stop playing well. Um, and so I, I can't just discount that that, you know, wasn't a, a real thing, a uh, real comeback by the Bucks. But, yeah, until until Milwaukee – Gets them again, look, and, and that's January 11th. Um, FIs are formed, then they'll have a couple others after that, Bill. But, yeah, I, I still think it's Boston because talking about the Bucks still figuring out who they are defensively, I think the Celtics already know who they are, especially when Porzingis and Holiday are healthy and together. So right. I, I'm still going to go there, but the Bucks are – look, man, I those could be some really high-scoring games, and – and if that's the case, I mean, Damian Lillard is hard to top <laughs> as an end-of-game yeah. finisher. And that's the guy the Bucks just haven't had the last couple of years. Right, no doubt. Great stuff, Jim, as always. Appreciate it. Good story on the Senator as well. And uh, we'll talk again next week, okay? All right, sounds great, Bill. Talk to you then. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you then. There you go. Jim Ozarski joining us from the Journal Sentinel covering the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, good to get him on, get his thoughts. He's got a good story up about Giannis and the, and, and the senator and uh, the passing of Herb Cole and such. Um, and obviously been covering the Bucks uh, and this run that they've had, uh, the stretch at home and now on the road and Christmas Day and such. So 
Uh, like he said, you got a big one coming up in January, a couple of weeks when uh, Boston comes to town to the Fiserv Forum, and then maybe the the Bucks reestablish themselves as that team to beat in the East. But it, it'll be a be a hell of a game, no doubt about it. And it really, uh, other than just maybe you know standings wise, it doesn't have a ton of bearing other than just a lot of pride at that point in time. Uh, this portion that we're going to get back into things. Don't forget, Peter Fagan, president of the Milwaukee Bucks, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. So we're going to talk with him as well. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. If by chance you are looking for a really good night out, maybe uh, your New Year's or maybe just a good weekend, get yourself a, a terrific fish fry. And then maybe a date night, you're going to go upstairs to the Starlight Lounge. That's Buzzard Billy's downstairs. Starlight Lounge upstairs on Pearl Street, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, in that old 1860s, what used to be a brick hotel. Beautiful place. And uh, both of them, fantastic. Great stuff, great food, great cocktails, craft martinis and such. Uh, great stuff at both places, whether it's Buzzer Billy's downstairs, Starlight Lounge upstairs. Both places are well worth the trip. Hell yeah. Fully, fully. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Again, 877 867 1670. MZ says Jair missed uh, six straight games without being on the IR. The Packers were playing with 51 players every week. Why would they do that? Remember what Matt LaFleur said, MZ, was it was a, quote, miscalculation, end quote. Miscalculation. I still think there was something else there. I still think there was something else there. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm wrong in that. I think a lot of people think there was something else there. We just don't know what. And we may never know. We, we may never know. Uh, just because of, you know, the they get very tight-lipped behind the way. And maybe it's something that they don't want to, you know, bring to the forefront because they don't want to embarrass their player. Maybe they don't want to throw them under the bus, you know. Um, this is from Matthew. says, Jaron Hall, my prediction 275 yards passing, 35 rushing yards, 24 of 30, two touchdowns, no picks, and a sack. That's Matt in Eau Claire. <laughs> uh, in other words, he's going to probably play pretty well. Uh, Matthew says, uh, which would you prefer, a playoff berth or in bounce in the first round or uh, finish third in the division, set up a date with New York Jets in 2024? Uh, with the added 17th game, if the Packers and the Jets finish third in their division, they play one another in 2024 NFC with the home game. Um, I would rather they get to the postseason. I, I don't. Here's the thing, and I, I know people really want to see that. Um, th- that maybe the Jets end up coming to Lambeau Field. I really, I don't care. Uh, I after watching the replay of Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee talking about how it wasn't his decision to come off of the IR and be activated. It's like, at what point do you just want to yell at Aaron Rodgers and say, yeah, you're terrific, but you're a player. 
You're not a general manager. You're not the head coach. You're not the doctor. You're a player. They wanted to activate you. You're the one that brought all the pomp and circumstance about you coming back to be a part of that team. And then when you realize, well, you know, they're not really going to be in the postseason and they don't have a legitimate shot, you don't want any part of it. No, no, no. And I understand that. Look, I'm not saying you're wrong, but they make the decisions. And I'm so far past the Aaron Rodgers. It's it's interesting to me because it's – very much of what was going on here is being exposed there. You know? And the world pays attention because of the Pat McAfee show and because it's New York and because it gets a higher level of scrutiny, you know, 4 million people in the state of Wisconsin versus 8 million people and just the 10 million people in just the downtown city of New York. So there's a higher level of scrutiny there. And we kind of smile. We sit back, we fold our arms, and we just smile because we say, you know what, the drama and the crap and the backhanded slaps and the self-placed pedestal mount is all somebody else's problems. And I really don't care. And I, 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 I don't I, – I mean, I would make for great television, I guess, but I really don't care if Aaron Rodgers comes into Lambeau Field next year. I would rather see this team get postseason experience. That's just my thought on all of this, but I would much rather see this team get post, postseason experience. So uh, let's talk to uh, Peter Fagan. He is the uh, president of the Milwaukee Bucks joining us on the hotline, and uh, we've got him and uh, kind enough to join us here for a little bit. Peter, how you been? Good, Bill. How are you? Uh, doing great, and thanks for taking some time out. I know you just landed, and you guys are pretty busy, but, uh, you know, obviously with the passing yesterday of uh, the senator, you had uh, interactions with him and then taking over that franchise from him and keeping it in Milwaukee. Just talk about the senator and your experiences and, and maybe some things that, you know, we, we don't necessarily get a chance to see and get shed, light shed on, you know? Yeah, I, I think personally and professionally, he was probably, you know, this unique character who combined like the best of business and public service and philanthropy you know he's probably unbeknownst to most of us probably one of the most philanthropic people in the history of the state of wisconsin and probably up there you know in the united states but but more than that he he was very smart and very funny and he uh he allowed me to uh use lazy language and curse and have fun and be mean-spirited about things and laughed together we uh we would have we would have lunch or breakfast like every couple of months. And uh, he, every conversation with him was rhetorical. Every conversation. He knew more about the Bucks than I did. His stories were awesome about whether it was signing Big Dog or having issues with Anthony Mason. And uh, as well as like what it was like to be in the U.S. Senate. I mean, really this like incredible figure who was so unassuming and so humble there's no way anybody knew how great he was. I go back to my days in traveling with the team and being on the plane and sitting next to him and getting a chance to talk a little bit. And I, the one thing I've always told people, the misnomer where they, they think, well, he just cared about the money and didn't care about winning. That guy wanted to win more than almost anybody. And that's the one thing that I think got lost in this all of this ownership stuff and the Senate stuff. He just wanted, He was like a kid at heart when it came to the Bucks. He just wanted to see them win, right? Without a question, I think his biggest frustration was was kind of this turn in the league and kind of where the superstars were going and how to how to manage it in a way. And all he like he was very simple. All he wanted was to have a championship team in Milwaukee, make sure 
this team stayed in Milwaukee and Wisconsin forever. And that's what he did. I mean, that's literally what he did. And, and Wes, Wes has talked a lot about it during the purchasing time. And this was like one of the, it was almost a closed. There was no auction. There's nothing that happens with other teams. Once Senator Cole got the handshake that, that Wes and Jamie and Mark were going to keep this team in Milwaukee and that they would make every effort to build a new arena. That was almost like, that was it for Senator Cole. Like that's what he wanted. He contributed over a hundred million dollars to the project and the team after he sold the team. And, and that's like what he cared about. And I think, I do think like kind of like one of the great satisfying moments. And, and we talked about it all the time was when we won and we spent a lot of time talking about just, how incredible that was and how, how happy he was. Is his legacy as well as the legacy of new ownership, is that the building that stands down there and the championship that now resides in it is, is because of the joint effort to keep that team in the state of Milwaukee or in the state of Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee? Yeah. I mean, I always kind of told, I always told Senator, I was always beholden to him because he gave me the greatest opportunity of my, of my career to get it done, and I think that just that just multiplied with what he did with with the opportunity, and he saw what Wes and Jamie and Mark he saw that that these guys were very open minded, wanted to invest, wanted to build, wanted to develop, um, you know, what is now the Deer District, like in a very big way, and kind of entrusted them, you know, as stewards of this team of which he loved so much, but was ready to kind of hand it off to to people who were ready to inject a ton of capital, a ton of energy and vision to get it done. And he felt a part of it. I, I want to ask you about Giannis because I know uh, the drafting of Giannis goes back to John Hammond. Giannis got very homesick. The The organization itself, whether it was John Steinmiller or the senator or, or John Hammond, everybody worked with Giannis. And then you guys took it to a whole other level when when you guys came in and took over the, the franchise. But you can kind of say all of that goes hand in hand in the building of a championship and the building of the arena, the building of the, the bridge between the Senator and the new ownership group, all of that. And then, Oh, by the way, you've got this big, big planet in the middle of this, which all, you know, everything orbits around and that is Giannis and, and his dedication to both sides, whether it was the Senator for, for bringing him into the league. And then obviously for what you guys have done for him since then. Well, I think, listen, Giannis is the, the best stories about the Senator. And Giannis's loyalty to Milwaukee all started with Senator Cole. Like, that's who brought him here. That's who took care of him. Listen, Giannis was not Giannis when he came here. And he wasn't right. Giannis for a few years. I mean, that's what people have to remember. And it didn't matter to Senator Cole. Senator Cole made sure he did everything he could possibly do to try to get Giannis's family here, which was a big deal for, for over two years. You know, there was a big effort to get Giannis's family to the United States to be with him. This was like a teenager who was like alone. And Senator Cole was at the center of that. And, and at the time, Giannis was not a superstar. He was a rookie getting a few minutes, you know, a night as we played. And as we started to kind of grow, Giannis will tell you, Giannis will, you know, would go up and hug Senator Cole. Senator Cole is who brought Giannis to the Bucks, to the United States, and kind of help start his life as he knows it. And he always did it. When I told him last night, I told him and Chris Middleton that the senator passed away, and they both, like, just kind of looked at each other and just, you know, very, very, very appreciative and thoughtful 
about the senator and what what he meant to their lives. Peter, uh, great stories and appreciate the recollection and all the waxing nostalgic about the senator, about what's going on with the team. Obviously, there's a lot of great things going on right now, but kind of looking back at uh, what transpired over the last few years specifically and then the senator's place in it, I I appreciate the thought. I appreciate on a short notice you answering my text message, and I'm glad you came on and shared with us a little bit. Thanks so much, okay? Thank you, Bill. You've always been great to us, and and our our thoughts are with with the senator's family. Appreciate it so much. There you go. That is uh, Peter Fagan. And uh, I know he's just landing. He texted me and said, hey, I'm, I'm on a flight. I'm getting ready to land. I'll, I'll touch base with you when uh, I, 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 I land and I'll give you a call. And damned if he didn't. So, man, Peter, Peter Fagan, great to get him on and appreciate his time. And thanks for sharing a little bit about the senator with us. Uh, when we come back, going to hear a little bit of uh, Jordan Love from yesterday as well. We didn't get a chance to even hear that yet today. So stay tuned. Got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Glad to have you back, the Bill Michael Show. Continuing on. On this fine day, 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. Uh, I want to remind you, our friends over at Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, Cunis RV. And uh, this time of year, you may not be thinking about it, but then again, if you're getting ready for the upcoming travel season, maybe a travel trailer or an RV or a tow behind, whatever it happens to be, They've got something for everybody. They've got new. They've got used. They've got some concierge service. They've got dealerships all throughout the state and beyond the border. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com, Wisconsin's fastest-growing RV dealer. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. That's CunisRV.com. Aaron, or excuse me, uh, Jordan Love, not Aaron Jones, but Jordan Love, uh, met with the media yesterday and had this to say. Take a listen. You're in that situation Sunday where you don't have Jaden, you don't have Christian, you don't have Dontavian all of a sudden with the injury. How how beneficial is it for you as quarterback to still have Romeo? You know, he's kind of he had a great start to his season. And the young guys have ascended. Mm-hmm. He's kind of kind of blended in more. Well, how how much of a benefit was that for you? Still yeah, it's huge. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with guys going down, um, not everybody being healthy this week. Um, you know, that's when you need other guys to step up. And uh, obviously, I think Rome knew that going into it, into the game. And he, you know, did what he's been doing all year, um, making plays. Um, but, you know, I think just his confidence right now, too, um, the way he's playing is all playing into that. But, uh, I mean, it helps a lot to have, have him out there making those plays. After Tucker won the, the hurdle here and kind of took the shot to the midsection, are you surprised that he kind of went <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to expect. I feel like with Tucker um, running the ball, but uh, I think he's obviously going out there trying to, you know, make those plays, make those explosive plays, hurdle somebody, uh, and kind of just get the offense going, bring some juice. But uh, yeah, I was I was not surprised by him doing it again. What has he meant to you guys last you know, month or so? Um, he's been huge. Um, you know, with Luke going down, um, 
just needs somebody to step up in that role. Um, and he's done a really good job. And uh, it's just Blossom, and he's out there making play after play. Um, and I think he's just he's another guy that's getting a lot more comfortable with every rep. Um, and you can see it. So he's, he's been huge. I mean this in the best way, but this, this Tucker got a little crazy in him because it seems, you know, it didn't go well the first time he did it. And have no hesitation to go right back there and do that again. Seems he was a little crazy. Yeah, he is. I think, <laughs> uh, you know, even just the hit he took, like landing on his back um, and able to just pop right back up and, um, you know, have some juice getting up and things like that. So, I mean, I'm fully expecting him to try it again next game. So. We'll How see. about you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Why not? Uh, if the opportunity presents itself, maybe, but, yeah, I'm not, not planning on doing that. He might be able to teach you. He might, what yeah. What to do yeah. wrong, you know. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to follow his footsteps right <laughs> yeah. now. Jordan, what were your biggest takeaways about how the Vikings defended you here, defended you guys here in that game? Yeah, I mean, I think they, they did some really good things. Um, you know, I think they mixed up. Their coverages, their looks, their pressures, um, they do a good job of just mixing everything up, keeping you on your toes. Um, so, you know, obviously, I think that was our first time seeing it. Um, and, you know, we, we'll have a better plan going into it, uh, be able to expect some of the stuff a little bit more. Um, I think they do a good job defensively. Jordan, how do you feel like this offense has grown since the first time you faced the Vikings? Yeah, I think we've grown a lot. Um, just watching, you know, our first game um, that we played the Vikings yesterday um, and just kind of seeing – the plays that are being made, kind of the, some of the missed ops we had. Um, you know, I, I think we're definitely a, a different team, a different offense, and um, some of those plays we missed on, I think, you know, we've grown into understanding what we need to do and ways to fix that going forward. So um, I definitely think we're a, a better offense than we were the first time we played them. You know, you know over that last month and a half, uh, to where you are now, it's how fun has been for you to see you grow along with everybody else grow. And I'm sure you, you knew this is in everybody to get this done. But to actually see it come to fruition, how fun has it been to see the development there? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, you know, I think that's one thing we knew coming into the season that it was going to be a process. Um, and it's all about developing and getting better every week um, and just trusting it, staying true to the process. And, um, you know, I think everybody's done that. And just, you know, we knew it's, it wasn't going to be easy. There was going to be highs and lows to it. Um, but everybody stuck together and, and just kind of continued to find ways to get better every week. Do you ever lose faith, not in the process, but maybe in the, in the idea that the process could get to this point this season? Do you ever think, boy, this might need to be more than a year here with all this youth that we have? No. Um, you know, I think we, like I said, I knew it was going to be a process, and I knew, you know, who knows how long it's going to take. Um, but, you know, the, I think the exciting part about it is some of those mistakes that we were making early on in the season, now we're, we've corrected those things and we're turning them into big-time plays. Um, and just the way we're meshing right now and, um, you know, even last game, like getting in a hole, having a couple three-and-outs late in the game um, and then having a tie game and just able to take that last drive we had and march down the field and, um, you know, when we needed it, that's just growth right there. And some of the games we had earlier in the season, we were able to win those. So um, I don't think there's been any, you know, not trusting it, not trusting the process, but um, I think everybody's been committed to it. So. Jordan, at the same time, you don't feel like you guys have arrived yet either way. It was two weeks ago in New York where you guys didn't have it going the way you wanted to offensively. So how do you make sure you take what you did against Carolina and make sure that's the beginning of even more upward arrows? Yeah, no, I don't think anybody has um, thought we've arrived at all. You know, it's I think we have that mindset that it, it's a process every week. and. You know, even on the good days, you know, we're still trying to find the little parts in our game that we can improve and get better at. Um, so it's 
it's a week in and week out thing that we just got to keep growing, keep learning um, until the season's over. With. What's, what's the mentality or the feeling in the huddle before that last drive the other day, and how does it maybe compare to some of those early season ones where you guys just all, all finding your way? Yeah, I think the the vibe in the huddle was everyone was confident. Um, everyone believed that you know we had the ball, we were going to go down and put the points up and help our defense out in a situation where we had to go score. Um, you know, we all knew how we were moving the ball early in that game, and then obviously we got into a funk with a couple three and outs, but uh, everyone in the huddle was, was confident. Nobody flinched, so that was awesome. So where does that confidence come from? You mentioned the three and outs, right? I mean, it would have been easy to maybe, and again, I'm not just talking about you, but group wide to maybe lose a little bit of that in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the thing. We, we didn't lose any confidence, um, even with some of those negative plays and three and outs, things like that. I mean, we know what type of offense we are. We know what we're capable of when we're, you know, everyone's executing at a high level and hitting on those plays. So, um, you know, I don't think nobody flinched, nobody batted an eye and lost confidence. We were all confident knowing that, you know, if we do play our ball, we're going to go put up those points. Jordan, a couple of guys on defense earlier in the season in that kind of Broncos-Raiders stretch for saying we need to help the offense out until they figure stuff out. You guys feel it's maybe flipped. I'm not asking you to bash the defense because you know they're not going to play lights out the whole season. But mm-hmm. do you guys feel like you have to put up high 20s, 30s to help will you guys to the playoffs here? I mean, I think you know it's team sport. It's always you know you're trying to find that mesh of all right, what does the offense need to do to win? What does the defense need to do? And like you just got to play off um, how the game's going. But I think the mindset for the offense is always trying to put up as many points as we can um, and just make the game not even close. You know try and help the defense out in any way we can. And I think it's all about control. We control and what can we control is how many points we put up, how we execute on offense. We can't control what happens with the defense, things like that. So um, we always go in that mindset, just try to put up as many points as possible. Jordan, I'm guessing because Tom is good at his job, he warned you that it would probably be a Jair question or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after this situation, you had Andre when he posted last week, and then we've had questions about Joe's job status. I'm wondering how inside the locker room you're handling kind of the possible distractions that could be there making sure with what you guys have at stake you're not kind of letting it affect you guys yeah um you know i don't think any of that is affecting anybody in the locker room um I, like i said i think we all know what's in front of us going forward what we got to do to finish the season off to have a chance to make the playoffs um and just how important that is to everyone in the locker room so i don't think anyone's letting any outside, you know, noise, things that are going on outside affect us. Some of it's inside, obviously, though, too, right? So I'm curious with where you're at, because your position is obviously a leadership position, you have your own leadership style. Are you able to, at this point in your career, influence kind of how things are handled when there's a, an issue like you guys are dealing with with John, or is that not quite in your comfort zone yet? Um... Sorry, can you ask a question again? Well, just, so obviously the last guy had been here forever, so mm-hmm. he had a different presence. You're at a point where you're growing into that still. Mm-hmm. So when there are issues in here, how do you go about exerting your influence to kind of try and get things headed in the right direction inside the world? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just trying to talk to guys, be in their ear, um, you know, be the voice that, that they might need to hear that they don't want to hear, things like that. So um, but at the same time, um, it's controlling what I control, you know. It's just trying to get the offense, get the defense, bring guys together so we're all moving in the same direction. Um, and like I said, just understanding what's in front of us. And, uh, but yeah. What's Jair like as a teammate? Is it a guy that likes to keep it light? Kind of joke around a little bit? Or? 
how would you describe Yeah, I think Ja, um, you know, he has a unique personality. Um, but I think Jair is a great teammate. I mean, I think he always has, um, you know, the right interest in his heart. Um, and he's always trying to be out there and put his best forward, foot forward um, on the on the field. Um, but yeah. I know it's never perfect up front, but how have you seen Rashid kind of grow in these last few weeks as he's kind of settled in the Yeah. Um, you know, I think she's done an awesome job. Um, Obviously, there's, you know, every play, there's little things that we always want to clean up. Um, we know it's not going to be perfect, but I think that's the thing. He's been able to clean up a lot of the kind of mistakes that we were making early on, um, some of those penalties, things like that. And obviously, when he's out there in pass, bro, he's been doing a really good job um, channeling that left side. Um, and then obviously, in the run game, he's been doing some really good things. But I think it's all the, you know, the little critical errors that uh, happen during the game. I think when he's been able to clean those up, I think he's playing at a high level. Can you say it again, sir? Just you guys right now lead the goal in terms of finishing drives. Mm -hmm. What do you think the key's been there for you guys? And just the efficiency of that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it starts with, you know, Matt and Sino. I think they do a really good job just getting us ready for goal zone, putting in some awesome plays for us. Um, and obviously, um, having two great running backs with Aaron and, and uh, AJ, being able to hand the ball off sometimes down there and let them just put their head down and um, finish the end zone is huge. And then when we get in past situations, I think we've, like I said, we've had some really good concepts down there. And, uh, you know, guys are executing at a high level and getting open, um, and they're making plays down there. So I think, you know, we're a diverse offense. They could do a whole lot down there um, scheme-wise. So I think it's tough for the defense to stop everybody um, but I think it's something that we focus on every week with our goal zone day um, just getting ourselves ready for the goal zone. You said this is a, a better offense than when you played Minnesota the first time but you actually got the turnaround this season. During those moments when on the outside things look pretty late at times early in the season what did you see that make you think that you guys could be at this spot now? What were you seeing in those moments? Yeah I think early on I mean it was just execution. Like there, were, you look back on film, the, the plays were there to be made, um, and it was just little things that, you know, one person messing up or just a lack of execution on some of the plays that were not um, letting us be successful. So I think we were holding ourselves back more than anything, um, and it just took, you know, fixing these little things um, and staying locked in on every play that would get us over the hump. But like I said, I think there was plenty of plays out there to be made that we just weren't making those plays. Um, and looking back on it now. We're able to start making these plays, and I think uh, that's why we're a different offense was right it, now. Was it pretty widespread? Like, it wasn't just one thing, but it was a whole bunch of little things. Was that kind of how Oh, yeah. No, it's, I mean, it, that's exactly what it was. It was a whole bunch of little things, um, and just us not coming together and executing the plays properly um, was, was what was holding us back. Trying to hear some there you go. That's Jordan Love uh, meeting with the media a little bit yesterday. We're going to step out, take a quick break, come back, and we're going to wrap things up with a little bit of what did we miss. Stay tuned. we still got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Good to have you back today. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Sloppy Joe's and Smoke on the Water. Don't forget Smoke on the Water. They got a big New Year's Eve party planned out there. Music and all that kind of good stuff. Tickets available. Check them out. And then uh, Sloppy Joe's, I mean, the next day you go out there for breakfast, hands down. I mean, it's fantastic. That's kind of like the next day tradition. Go out there, get the, the uh, breakfast, the Bloody Mary, the whole thing, and enjoy yourself. But uh, Smoke on the Water out in Okachi Lake on Wisconsin Avenue in Okachi. Big New Year's Eve party out there planned as well. So if you're not going to join us for the watch party at Boondocks, then by all means, make sure you're heading over to uh, Smoke on the Water. And that big party room downstairs, they're going to have music, dancing, the whole thing, and uh, a lot of good beverages and food and such so uh, by all means check out smoke on the water in okachi and sloppy joe's on hubertus in hubertus as well all right time now what do we miss well bill i, I don't know if this is totally sports related but we sometimes talk about the WEAC. you have a lot of uw yes. uw schools in yes. the state with good sports teams um some administration news that broke last night at my alma mater uw lacrosse they have fired their chancellor joe gow who I believe was the longest tenured in the UW system. He'd been the chancellor since the, I think, mid-2000s, like 2007. Did you see why? Did you happen to see this? Now, am I right? Because I, I briefly saw a headline and did not pay too much attention. Is this the guy that he and his wife are doing like their own porn videos or something like that? Yeah. And it, I, I it, thought it, when I saw the God. headline, it's like they were doing it on the download. No, th- like they are professionally made. And I looked them up for research purposes and they have like sure. 10,000 views. Like they they're racking. He's got a career in this. Like he's oh been networking goodness. with other porn people. It's insane. <laughs> and I guess he's been hiding this part of his life for years. They put out books about their sex life like five, six years ago under pen names. And I went back in Amazon and I found him. This He's been cooking yeah. up this stuff forever. Uh, I had heard a little bit, but nothing like this. Wow. Um, <laughs> he, you know, it's it's it, it, there's mixed emotions. I mean, it's, it's like you represent a, a university. Correct. You're the chancellor, you know. But I, I, like, there's certain things you can't do. Yeah. You know, or you can't do publicly. Look, I don't care what you do behind closed doors. You, you can get as freaky as you want to get. But mm-hmm. you can't, you know, when you're the chancellor of a university, I don't think you can do that, man. <laughs> I don't think you can I, either. You know, but I, it's funny because some people came out and said, hey, look, you've got certain marches that are going on in your campus that are allowed by, you know, the campus. There's things that people don't agree with. And yet you want to fire this guy because he and his wife are having consensual sex on film. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Where? Where have we gone as a country where it's like, you know what? We want to ban some of these marches. But on the other hand, this guy's doing the naughty nasty to his wife on film. And, oh, oh we got to get rid of this. Uh, you know, I. Well. But, but, yeah, you can't do that. Man. What's wild is when I was at school there, and I don't remember what year this was. but so This was in the within the last six years or six, seven years. They brought Nina Hartley, who was a porn star back in the day. Uh, to campus and she gave a speech it was free speech week about sexual health and like stigmatization of porn or whatever and he got in trouble for it like they docked his pay and it was a whole thing and I thought it was just like he miscalculated right he thought it would be a good like free speech topic right sexual health for young students no he they were totally getting it on like he was networking he was setting up his next career so everything makes so much more sense <laughs> sense with this guy now look i thought he like i thought he was trying to hide it and he no this is i guess what he wants to do now and he's claiming that getting fired is a violation of his first amendment rights 
Yeah, well, uh, see if that gets you very far. Um, put it this way. His first, and people, would, people don't understand. First Amendment means you don't go to jail. It doesn't mean a company or a board of regents doesn't have the right to fire you. Correct. And that's what people keep, you know, First Amendment rights mean you don't go to jail, period. And that's it. That's it. This whole First Amendment, I can say what I want. Nobody has repercussions. Shut up. No, you can't. You know, but oh well. Now he's got more time on his hands. Yeah. To do the things that he enjoys doing. Pursue his passions. And isn't that yeah. really all what we strive for in life? So good for that's, Joe Gow. That's absolutely right. You know, that's absolutely right. There you go. All right, we're gonna end on that note. Tomorrow we got a we're loaded tomorrow. We got all kinds of good stuff uh, coming on the program. Mike Clemens obviously gonna be here in company, and then we're gonna wrap up a football Friday and such. So great stuff. Time for us to go. Have a go, Dave.